It's good to see everyone this morning. Uh, we're so glad that you've come to worship with us this morning. I hope you got a bulletin. Be sure, as always, to check out what's going on in the bulletin, uh, all kinds of events and, and things with our ministries here at Broadway. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. If you're new to Broadway, uh, there's a tear-off tab for you in that bulletin. Uh, drop that off and drop it in the offering plate as it comes around. That could be your gift to us this morning. Uh, we're so glad that you're here to worship. Uh, we're going to have a beautiful day today, so I think everyone is so uh, happy and excited about that. Yesterday was a beautiful day, uh, so uh, we are so grateful uh, for God's mercies through that. Uh, if you would, please stand as we read from God's Word this morning. Psalm 93, the Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty, the Lord is robed, he has put on strength as his belt, yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved, your throne is established from of old, you are from everlasting, the floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice, the floods lift up their roaring, Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Zach, for that uh, scripture reading this morning. I do want to make a couple of announcements. This week we have some things that were postponed from last week due to weather. On Thursday, I, we have a Young at Heart luncheon with Lexington Community Seniors here at our church. And uh, Miss Kentucky, who was scheduled, we've rescheduled her now for later in the year because she could not come this week. However, Scott Collins is going to be our guest this Thursday. And if you want to sign up and you haven't signed up, you still can right out here. Today's the deadline for that, but I want you to know about that. A lot of good things happening. You know, it's not a spiritual thing, but you remember uh, Mr. Rogers used to say it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Well, it is today. Today's a great day to be serving the Lord. It's going to be sunny outside later today, and we're going to sing beginning, coming to his presence with thanksgiving in your heart. Coming to his presence with thanksgiving in your heart and give him praise. Oh, Lord, yeah. 
Savior. Holy Father, what a joy and privilege this day to come and to praise you and to lift our voices in praise and adoration. Father, whether it's the sunshine or whether it's cloudy or whether it's cold or whether it's hot, you're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Whenever we walk through the valleys, you are the same. When we're on the mountaintops, you're the same. You watch and care for us. You love us. You know even the hairs upon our head. You know our every thought. You know our action. You know all about us. And yet, God, you love us. And you want us to come and to worship, to humble ourselves before you and pray and seek your face. Thank you for every person that is gathered here this morning. Father, this past week, for many of our church family, has been a testing time. We've lost two of our men in this fellowship. But thank you, Father, that we know where they are today, and the families are comforted from that. The joy that you give when the dark shadows roll through our lives. Thank you, Father, for being steadfast and sure. Thank you for the ministry of this church, our pastor, our deacons, our teachers and leaders and workers. Father, we pray that your spirit 
they have freedom to work and to move among us this morning. If there be those that do not know you as Savior and Lord, we pray, Father, that this shall be the time. Guide us, may you be glorified, and may we leave this place rejoicing and saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Gracious Lord God, we come to you now just in search of your guidance and your direction. Lord, I just pray that you will reveal today what path you want us to follow in our lives. Lord, just, uh, just be with this congregation here. Let us just be the light on the hill. Let us just, uh, just be the church that you would have us be. Father, we just want to lift up all of those that are on our prayer request. Lord, you know the needs. We just pray that your will be done in each one of those. Father, we want to lift up our country. Father, we know there's a lot of division. We just pray that your word will just spread and that, Lord, you will just take your rightful place as King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, please be with this tithe. Uh, just, just let us use it to further your kingdom, for we ask this in your precious name. Amen.
The rain, the storms, the hardest nights are your mercies in Thank you, Patty. Thank you so much. You're certainly right. Life is a blessing, and we do have blessings all throughout our life. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do, or you can open up in your pew Bible there. We are in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Then in a little bit, we're going to turn over and look in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is now February. So the, the years are a flying by. It's already February. Um, the month of February, I guess, is a month we focus on love because of Valentine's Day in a, uh, next week or so with that. But So what I'll be doing, there's four Sundays in February. I'm going to be preaching on relationships these four Sundays. So this Sunday, I'm going to talk about what it's life like and what the Bible says about being single. Now, if you're not single, you know, this still applies to you because you know single people. You have children or grandchildren who are single. You need to be praying for their spouse and uh, for them to make wise choices if they are single. So today's about single. Next, next Sunday's going to be about being married, what it's like, what does the Bible say. And the Bible speaks truth to all different areas of your life, whatever your relationships are. And three weeks, so the third Sunday in February, I'm going to be talking about uh, relations with the opposite sex. What I mean by that is how to uh, boundaries you have in your life, and not only that, how to inter interact with some. Um, maybe if you're married, how to interact with someone who's not your spouse, and uh, what some things to do, and what some things not to do. And then four weeks, I guess that'll be the last Sunday in February. We're going to see what the Bible talks about when, say, you have broken relationships, and say there's um, uh, there's been problems with people in the uh, past maybe uh, you've experienced divorce or you, you don't get along with your parents or your children don't talk to you or you you hate everybody at work or something you have some disaster that happens hopefully you don't hate everybody at work but there are broken relationships or hurt relationships in your life how we as christians should be mending that so that's the next that's the sermon series on the Bible covering all areas of relationships and what the Scriptures certainly say to that. Now, here in this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, this entire chapter would be kind of like the uh, relationship chapter. We're not going to read all 40 verses for that, but we're going to focus on what the Bible calls, or at least in the uh, Christian Standard Bible, uses the word virgins. Now, we'll use the word virgins, and what it's talking about here, it's talking about... And um, a daughter, a young lady of marriable, marriageable age. So somebody who, who hasn't been married yet. So we're going to see basically what uh, scriptures say here about being single. You know, you, you think about being single. At, at some point in our life, we're, we're in three categories. We're either single, we're married, or we're um, soon to be married. So wherever those categories, maybe one day you're going to become married. So you look at that in your life, and at one point, if you're not, maybe you've been married many years, but at one point you were single and you did not have a spouse. <clears throat> Actually, go ahead and pull out, in your bulletin you should have your little sermon uh, notes here. 
you want to pull that out, I'm going to make one note here. uh, Very beginning, it says, Genesis 2.24. You know, God created marriage. That comes straight from the book of Genesis. It comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. The very first marriage was actually performed by the Lord. It says here, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. So we see Adam and Eve right there. Their plan was for God to bring them together. And the Bible actually says when two people, when one man and one woman get married, they become one flesh. That is biblical, one man, one woman, one flesh marriage. That's God's uh, plan and purpose we're going to see here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord. But I do give an opinion as one by the Lord's mercy is faithful because of the present distress. I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. However, if you do get married, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But such people will have trouble in this life. And I'm trying to spare you. What Paul just wrote right here in these first few verses, he's saying, whatever your life circumstances, if you're single or you're married, or maybe your spouse passed away and you're a widow, you need to be content with your life circumstances. Instead of going through life longing, if only I had a husband, if only I was single, if only I had a better husband, whatever you, whatever you, you thought or you think it is, Paul is saying here, you need to be content because these other things, they bring trouble on your life. Your focus needs to be on the Lord. That's what he's saying right here. Verse 20, 29. This is what I mean, brothers and sisters. The time is limited. So from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. And those who buy as though they did not own anything, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For this world in its current form is passing away. And what Paul's saying right here in this passage, he's saying relationships and everything is temporary. Ultimately, what matters is our relationship with the Lord. The most important relationship you and I will ever have is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to be saved. You have an eternal relationship with the Lord. But do you know the second most, relation, most important relationship of all? It's your spouse. I mean, think about it. The most important decision you will ever make is walking this aisle and giving your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be saved. That's the most important. And everything we should do should be pointing people to Jesus Christ. Last night... If my ears are ringing and I look tired, that's because I was at Winter Jam. Winter Jam is a, a concert for middle schoolers, and it's gonna it's a rub arena. If you're 11, it's perfect for you. And what it is, it's a bunch of bands. It's just band after band after band, and it's um, loud music. And what it is is um, they go and they play their songs, and then as they uh, take down the set, they have people that go up there and talk. And during each talk, they were sharing the gospel. They had all sorts of variety of preachers just going, uh, all sorts of different folks were up there talking. And one of the guys stood up there, 
And he said, one of the speakers, as they were taking down the next set, he said, I want you to know if you come to Winter Jam, you're going to hear about Jesus. You're going to hear how to be saved. You're going to know what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. And they led in a sinner's prayer and invited folks to respond to the gospel and gave folks an opportunity to be saved. Now, I share all this because the guy made a point. He says, you know, in some churches, you can actually go to church and not even hear how to be saved. Wouldn't that be sad to go to church and you don't hear the most important relationship and the most important message of all, and that's the message of Jesus? And that's what we see the most important relationship for us, and this is why we come to church, is because you come to church because why? You have a relationship with Jesus. When we pass away or when Jesus comes back, it's not our spouse that saves us. It's not our friends. It's not our family. Who saves us? Jesus saves us. So that's why that relationship is first and foremost. But do you know what the most, second most important decision you'll ever make? And this applies to you. Maybe you've been married many years. It applies to your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Who they marry is important. It's the second most important decision. That is that one flesh relationship right there spoken about in Genesis 2.24. Are you praying for your children, their spouse, their future spouse? If they're currently married, are you praying for their marriage? Are you praying for your grandchildren? They might be in school right now, but one day they'll want to get married. Are you praying that God will bring the right person. In a little bit, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians and it's going to talk about what type of person we need to marry. This is why if Jesus is the most important decision and your spouse is the second most important decision, that needs to be front and center in your prayer life. That needs to be important in who you invest in and what you spend your time towards. Keep going here in your Bibles with this. Last section here, verse 32. It says, I want... I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, so that she may be both holy in body and in spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is proper and so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. The Bible uses the word there, distraction. This week, as I was working on this lesson, working on this message, I was sitting on the couch with a c computer, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, I'm about to preach a sermon on being single. How great would it be? If, think about all the time I would have if I was single. I mean, I was just sitting there thinking about how great single life would be. And then all of a sudden, Sherry from downstairs wanted me to come and do the laundry. Before I could even do that, I had children jumping on me and wanting me to my other attention. Then even the old cat came up and started me out and wanted to be fed. And you talk about distractions. That is what, that's what it's like being married. You're distracted. Your time, your energy, it's divided. You can't have a singular focus because there's other things that come across. And, you know, if you're single here, you're thinking, man, how great would it be you know, So if I was married? So wherever you're at, always the grass is always greener on the other side. 
single people want to be married. And a lot of married people think, man, those, good, those glory days of back when I was single, I, had, I was so productive. I could get so much more done in life. Now I can't even, can't even answer an email because I have people hanging, literally hanging all over me. Pull out your little piece of paper here. Look at this. Three advantages to being single here in your life. Are you, are you single <clears throat> because look, the Bible talks about it. Singleness, look at this, is a gift from God. Do you know that? That is straight out of the Bible. That's 1 Corinthians. You don't need to turn there. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Paul was single, and he said his single life was beautiful. If you look here at the bo- bottom, do you know most of the Bible was written by single folks? Do you know that? Look at this. M- Miriam, that's uh, Moses' um, um, uh, mother or, or aunt. Elijah, Jeremiah. Mary Magdalene, John the Baptist, Paul, and of course, Jesus. All these folks were single. These were influential. I mean, goodness, Jesus Christ, our Savior, was never married. He was a single. Paul wrote one-third of the New Testament. Single. Single life is a gift. If you are single, you have time to devote to the Lord. You don't have necessarily all the distractions. You have a freedom that married people do not have. You have a you, have a, you can say yes spontaneously. Many times that married folks can't say it. You aren't bound, as the Bible talks about. You know, you have this undivided devotion to the Lord. Not only is singleness a gift from God, single people here are spared the trouble of marriage. The trouble of marriage. That's straight out of the Bible. I didn't say it. That's 1 Corinthians seven twenty-eight. The trouble of marriage is... All of a sudden, you're married, and you not only have to deal with your own problems, you've got another person's problems and their issues and whatever they're going through. You have to, the, one flesh means also now you have two people together. You've got, a, you've got other issues to deal with. Not only do you feel like you have to take care of yourself, you have to take care of someone else. That's what the trouble of marriage is. So I've now got to take care of Sherry. So she, it's, it's a, it's, and, uh, <laughs> she's smiling about that because... she's probably thinking, I take care of everybody at the house. Life is more complicated when you're married. That's what the Bible's saying. You you, you lose that freedom that you have when you're single. You know, Christian couples here, they don't often talk openly about the hard things they face in the hard times of marriage, which can really give single adults this this rose-colored view this tent of marriage that's not necessarily true that it's going to be just perfect and everything's going to be smooth and easy in fact the bible says it's the opposite marriage is trouble it's going to be hard because your attention is now divided number three single people can devote themselves fully to god's work you have more time to give to god if you are single if you are if you are not married right now you have all that time devoted to the Lord. Now, I'm sure some of you are saying, Daniel, I'm single and I'm so busy. I have no time. Like, I'm swamped. But we see in the Bible, Scripture tells us right here, in 1 Corinthians 7, 32-34, you don't have the responsibility of a spouse taking away from time, from witnessing mission trips, leading Bible studies, serving, whatever you want to do for the Lord, you can do it. The Bible tells us, do not waste your singleness. If you are in that season right now of being single, don't waste it. 
give it to God. Say, Lord, I'm in this season, and I'm going to devote this time towards you. All right, flip over your Bibles here. I want you to turn to this, because if you are single, you're probably thinking, okay, I might want to get married one day. Who should I marry? Well, the Bible answers that question, who you should marry. So here it is. I'm going to reveal it to you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. So we all need to turn there because this is who the type of spouse you need to be praying for. for not for, just for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. We do not need to assume that marriage is going to meet all of your unmet needs. Because it doesn't. Marriage will not meet those needs. Jesus, he is saying, I am more than marriage. Your relationship with Jesus should always come before your relationship with your spouse he is first and foremost in our life. Now, this is important because what happens here, this is what the Bible talks about, says what happens, what occurs if I marry somebody who's not a believer? What, what if I'm dating someone who's not saved? Listen, you need to find your fiancé on the front lines. That's the front lines for the work of the Lord. Listen to this. If you meet your spouse in a bar... You will lose your spouse in a bar. Do you know that? Why do folks go to a bar? Yes, I know some folks might go to a drink, but people also might go to a bar to meet someone. And if that's the type of person you're looking to meet, that's also the type of person that you'll also lose someone to. Now the Bible's going to talk about what it means to be a look and a search and be equally yoked with someone who's a fellow believer. It's important for us. I think about, before we read this here, before we read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, one of the great stories in the Bible, remember John chapter 4, where Jesus went to the well, and he met that woman, and she had been married. He, he said, you know, ma'am, you've been married five times, and the man you're living with now, he's not your husband. You know where that woman was at? She had been to the bar. So that's an example of someone, she had a life of broken relationships. Now, she still got saved. Jesus gave her living water. She repented of her sins and trusted in the Lord right there. You still get saved, you've been married over and over again. You can have broken relationships all 80 years of your life and still go to heaven. But God's plan for us is not to go through life with a bunch of broken relationships and half the world hating us. That is not God's plan for believers. We do not have to live, have a war-torn path. Listen, if you quit a job, you shouldn't have a bunch of enemies there. If you, if you, had, um, if, if you had maybe family members that there was conflict in the past, that doesn't mean you shouldn't ever talk to them again. The Bible speaks to us about God can mend any relationship, any friendship. All right, turn your Bible here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. This is an important scripture, folks, passage here for single folks because it tells us this is who we should marry. Do not become partners with those who do not believe. If, you're K, if you have the old KJV, it says, Do not be unequally yoked. Now, what that means here is, remember, in Bible times, they used mules and horses and and cows. So what that meant is if you were going to plow a field, you wouldn't put a strong horse right here or a strong mule with a half-dead one over here that couldn't even pull. So you've got one that otherwise it just go around in circles. So you, you have one who's really strong and you have one that can barely walk. 
and that wouldn't work. Your field, your, your, your cutting your grass, wouldn't, your lines wouldn't be very straight. And that's what the Bible talks about marriage. It says there should be an equally yokedness in, in when you get married with your spouse. Meaning, if you are a strong believer in Jesus, now this is not just, listen, married folks, this is for your children too. Listen, if you're, you, you help guide your children and your grandchildren. Position them. Help them make the right choice when they get married. You have to guide your children in making the right choices of who their spouses and your grandchildren are. I know some of you are like, Daniel, you're not there yet. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Maybe so. That's 10 years from now. I'll be able to, um, I'll be able to uh, update this sermon. But if you can guide your children and you have a, or if you're a believer that's strong, that's passionate, that loves the Lord, that's saved, they need a spouse. They need to be walking this aisle here with who? Someone else who's a believer, who's strong, who loves the Lord. That's what it means to be equally yoked. God's plan is not for the husband to be a dynamite Christian and the wife to be lost, or the wife to be another religion, or the wife to come to church at Easter. Maybe, if we're lucky. That's not God's plan for marriage. You want to you have families that are equally yoked, where the husband and wife serve the Lord together for the purpose of honoring Him. That's what 2 Corinthians 6.14. So the first thing, when you go look for a spouse, it's not, well, who's good looking? That is not the plan. It says, who, who is passionate about Jesus? Because what's going to happen is, if you're unequally yoked, if you marry somebody, if you're up here in your spiritual life and you marry someone down there, I promise you, 10 years in marriage, 15 years in marriage, that person who's on fire for Jesus, they come down. Become the, they become that believer that, you know, I used to go to church every Sunday and now I go on Easter. It's easier to pull someone down than to lift them up. Verse 15 Right, or keep going, verse 14, I'm still in the first sentence. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Baal? Now, Baal, that's another word for Satan. So what Jesus is saying here, why would a believer, why would someone who's, who loves the Lord marry the devil? There's no place for that. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. That's what it means to be saved. The Holy Spirit comes inside and makes a home inside of you. For we are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will dwell and walk among you. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate from the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing and I will welcome you and I will be a father to you. And I will be the sons and the daughters, and you will be the sons and the daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And that verse right there in verse 16, I will be their God, and they will be my people. That is what a husband and a wife should be saying. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not just one spouse saying that, both spouses. That's the type of person you want to marry. That's the type of person for your children, your grandchildren. That's the type of spouse you need to be praying for down the road. 
singleness here. It's a time that you or God is going to use you. It's a time that God is going to prepare you. It's a time that you have, you, have a, you have an unusual freedom, a season in your life that you can give more time to Him because the, as the Bible says here, you are not divided. Listen, there's a danger. When you're single, there's a danger, and we're going to get into this in a few weeks, of the small yeses. The small yeses. Many folks are single. The problem with this is you can find yourself when you're single to start going down a road saying, you know what, he's a good-looking guy, so he goes to church once a year. That's no big deal. I'm sure I'll do some evangelism dating, and he'll be here at Broadway. No. Evangelism dating doesn't work. The danger of small yeses, when you start saying yes to little things, going out with people that you have no business you would ever marry, putting yourself in a compromising position uh, that you you could indulge in sexual sin, small yeses very easily lead to one or two big yeses. The next thing you know, you've done something as a single adult that you never would have done. Everything small starts small. It starts is saying yes to a date you should never be, being friends with someone on Facebook you shouldn't be friends with, talking to someone inappropriately you shouldn't be talking with. And there's a danger with this. Part of being single. Listen, the first if you're a single adult, you should never go out with someone that you would never marry. Like if they're not saved, if they aren't a believer in Christ, right there, bam, they should be off the list. And that's not what I'm saying. That's what Jesus, Paul says here, 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked. God doesn't want us to do evangelism dating. We don't date people to win them to the Lord. But the purpose of dating is saying, okay, is this someone, God, I could be serving with for you? Is this something you could bring us together for the, uh, for the purpose of, of serving the Lord. Here are the takeaways. Five things here. We're going to be done. Look here on the board. This is what, if you are a single adult, or you know single folks, this is what they should do. Number one, you should be single, satisfied, and sent. Let me explain that. Single means, obviously, you're not married. Satisfied means you are content in the Lord, meaning you're not, you're not constantly shopping. You have to trust God's will for you to get married. I met Sherry at church. That's the best place to meet somebody, not the bar, at church. We were in the single adult Sunday school class. We were both very active. I was in a season of my life. I was in seminary. She was working at Progressive Insurance. She was going on a mission trip to Belize, and the people even leading the trip, they were single guys, and they were giving their life to Belize. They, they still live over there. With it. Since then, they've gone to Africa and served. I was able to go to Indonesia when I was single for two weeks. You just can't pack up your bags and go overseas for two weeks or three weeks and say, I think I'll go on a two-week-long mission trip if you're married and have children and you have all these strings attached to you. One of the greatest things about being single is you're, you find your satisfaction solely in the Lord. You can say, God, send me. I'm available. I don't have strings attached to me like other people. But that's, it's not bad if you have strings attached. You just have to recognize that's the season that you're in. So first thing we see is there's nothing bad about being single. It's actually, according to the Bible, it's a gift and it's a blessing. Number two, single life should be a complete devotion to the Lord. 
it should not be a time of constantly, every day thinking, who am I going to meet today? How do I look? What's my appearance? No, you're, you're, you're appearing before Jesus. He's the still, the most important relationship you have if you're a single adult. Complete devotion. Number three we see here, say yes to the spontaneous. You know, you're at a time in your life, if you're a single adult, that you can say yes and you, you're free to do things that other folks aren't able to do. If you're a single adult, you should be so active at this church. You should be serving, you should be going, you could be giving. You have that freedom that other folks don't have. What a blessing. What an honor. You can say, yes, Lord, yes, yes, yes. I want to tell you, when you're serving the Lord, when you're completely focused on Him, that's when God brings your spouse into the picture. If you're constantly looking, who am I going to marry? Who am I going to marry? What do I look like? What's my appearance? Is this cool? Is this the place to be? That's not when God, God when you are focused on the Lord, that's when God brought Sherry to my life. I was completely centered on him. Teaching Sunday school, active in seminary, just go, 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 go. Focusing on him, doing missions, doing ministry, and God brings your spouse into your life. And that's, that's how, but until you, until you accept God, this is my time in my life, that I'm going to say yes to the spontaneous, I'm going to give it all to you, that's when, that's when it should be. Number four, you should be praying, if you're single, you should be praying for your future spouse. Do you pray for your children and your grandchildren's spouse? Are you, pr are you praying for the children in our children's ministry right now that one day they will grow up and they will get married and they will raise their children here at church and they will serve the Lord? They, the young men will grow up and want to be deacons and the young women, the young ladies will grow up and want to be godly mothers and raise their children in the Lord? One of the great things about Christianity is it's generational. You pass this faith on to your children and your grandchildren. But listen, if you marry somebody, if you're engaged to somebody that they right now, or if you have children right now, and they're going down a road that you say, I don't even know if this person's saved. You need to hit time out. Weddings are great. But once the wedding's over, then reality comes in. Remember, everything goes back. What's the most important decision in the world? The, the most important relationship, that's with Jesus Christ. What's the second most important relationship? That's with your spouse. Those two, Jesus and your spouse, that should, that should surround your prayer life. That should surround your attention, what you're, you're focusing on with folks. No, number five, last thing we see here. A season of singleness is unmatched ministry to others. If you are a single adult and you're here this morning and you're not, as the Bible calls, you're not tied down with trouble, the Scriptures say, you have a freedom that other people do not have. You can serve the Lord. You can go. You can give. You can spontaneously say yes to Jesus. And Christ is telling us, and what we see here in these passages here in 1 and 2 Corinthians, Jesus is telling us, if you're a single adult, God hasn't, if you, God hasn't brought your spouse in, if you're not ready yet for that, if God hasn't prepared you for that, He's saying, give that time. Make every moment for Him. Give your singleness 
to God. And then and only at that point, God says, okay, you've given your singleness now. Now I'm going to move you into a new phase. You're a married life. And God might remain, you might remain single, but the focus is I'm content where I'm at, and this is the season I'm in. God, it's yours. Remember, the most important relationship is with Christ. Are you saved this morning? Does your life revolve around Jesus? Do you know, as you have a husband, or you have a man and you have a woman, what happens is they grow and they get married. As they grow closer, this is how, if I, if I do marriage counseling, this is what I describe it. I'm going to do marriage counseling right now. This is truly what his life is like. As a man and a woman grow closer to God together, they grow, it's like a pyramid. They grow closer to each other. That is the picture that God wants us to grow. God wants single people growing in their relationship with Him. He, he wants single people unmatched in His devotion. Don't get sucked into whatever Lexington offers for single people. God is saying, who's your most important relationship? And our answer should be, Lord, it's you. I'm giving my singleness to God. Don't waste it. We're going to have our time of invitation. Some of you, we've talked about relationships, most important relationships with God. If you do not have a relationship with God, you walk this aisle this morning and say, Pastor, I want to get saved. I want to enter into a relationship with God. You get your relationship with the Lord first, with Christ first and foremost, then all other relationships fall into place. Jesus, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here that has never received your salvation, they've never experienced the blessing of having a relationship with you, Lord, I pray this morning, this, this time, Lord, it's all about you. Lord, I pray we give all relationships, whether we're single married, widowed, divorced. Lord, whatever season we're in, Lord, it's yours. Lord, don't let us waste a season. God, I pray that if there's anybody here, not only do we not need to waste a season, we don't need to waste an opportunity for responding to you. Lord, I pray this invitation is yours. Lord, help us be bold, bold followers of you of responding to the gospel. We give you this invitation this morning. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. We close every single worship service here.